Um, and tonight we're going to start a short series of short sermons, uh, both short, uh, based on one of the most frequently known verses uh, in the Bible. Um, it is said at the conclusion of many services, whether established church or free church, it's frequently used as a prayer, as a benediction, uh, or indeed as a common blessing. And in fact, it is so familiar that even when the senior pastor of a congregation uh, forgets the verse, <laughs> the members of the congregation can help him out. I did put, tell Paul I was going to say that. So that being the case, uh, let's read the verse, just to prove that it is Scripture that we're reading. So it's 2 Corinthians chapter 13. And it's the final verse of that chapter, and indeed of the letter that Paul wrote. It's on page 1167 of the Pew Bibles. So 2 Corinthians 13, verse 14. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. I think we all know that. We probably didn't need to read it. So tonight what we're going to do is look at the first phrase of that verse, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Grace is one of those words that, in church circles, certainly, that we will use a lot. Um, but a lot of the time as well, we, we don't really think about how we define that grace. Um, so to understand a little bit of what grace is, what we'll do tonight is just have a look at how it is used within this letter. Um, it is probably a PhD in itself, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, and 10 minutes is certainly insufficient. You might say 10 minutes is more than enough, but uh, it's a very quick glance, so don't come up to me afterwards and say you should have said this, because I know. Notice, first of all, that the, the key element of grace is the fact that it is the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. This means that it is something that is attributable to him. It is a quality owned to him. So therefore, if we really want to understand what grace means, we have to look at who the Lord Jesus Christ is. And we'll do that in a little bit more detail in a couple of minutes. But Paul also expresses at the end of this verse that the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ would be with all of the Corinthian believers. For those members of that congregation, grace was a characteristic that they should display every day. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. But there's a distinction here with the opening verses of 2 Corinthians. If you turn back to chapter 1, verse 2 of chapter 1 says, Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Even though this is a greeting, an introduction to Paul's letter, there's a recognition that here in, in this verse that grace does not originate with the Corinthians. It's not something that belongs to the Corinthians. Indeed, it's not even something that belongs to Paul. It's the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ to the Corinthian church. It is something of Jesus Christ that can be given to the Corinthians. So if we pull this together with the benediction, the grace is of Jesus Christ, and somehow it is applied from him to the Corinthian church, or to us, 
so that it may be with us daily. But how is that application achieved? There must be some way in which the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ can become ours. And very helpfully, Paul gives us an answer in the middle of this letter. So turn to chapter 8. One of the most well-known verses where grace is mentioned in the New Testament. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 9 reads like this. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. Notice how Paul starts that verse. You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. But this, this is not some academic exercise in, case, in, in terms of picking up knowledge. This is a clear understanding based on facts and experience. The knowledge of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ for the Corinthians, common to all, was personal. But if the Corinthians were in any doubt as to what that grace was, the next part of the verse gives us a great explanation. It tells us that though he was rich, Jesus Christ was rich. The same author of this letter summarized elsewhere Jesus Christ's richness by these words. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Yet despite those riches, he became poor. The creator took on the form of the created. His riches were constrained by the limitations of the body. His riches were debited as he was born into the poorest of families in an obscure town. His authority was usurped by his submission to parental, religious, and civil authorities. His glory was veiled as he was subject to abject humiliation. His creative power was subdued by death, even the death of a criminal. So if you want to know what grace is, that's grace. Jesus Christ's life and death are the clearest picture of all as to what grace really means. But his life and death just didn't end there. It had an impact. The same verse tells us that through his poverty, we might become rich. Why do we need to become rich? I'm sure plenty of us have plenty of money. Well, it's not in relation to our income, our accumulation of capital over the years, or, or indeed our potential inheritance. Our poverty is because we have nothing to offer to God. Our lives are bankrupt spiritually. We are dead in our sins. Yet, the sacrificial love of Christ displayed in his own life and in his death allows us to become rich in him. All the blessings he has, all the riches he has, can become ours because of his grace. Paul said the Corinthians knew this grace. They knew that any spiritual riches they had were because of Jesus Christ. So it's appropriate at this stage just to pause and ask ourselves a question. 
And the question simply is, do we know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ? Perhaps you've walked in from the street and this is the first time you've ever heard this. It's news to you. Perhaps you've sat here week by week for many years, taking these messages in. The question is, do you know that grace? Do you know the one whose grace it is we're talking about? How appropriate it is that on a communion evening we can talk about this. We just need to look at this table to understand what grace is because these are the symbols that represent grace. The bread that represents his body in which all aspects of his poverty were displayed. The cup representing his blood and as the price of the sacrifice that allows us to know him and his riches. Well, it doesn't end there. There's a little bit more. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9 comes in the middle of a very practical section. And it's appropriate just to think about that for a moment because it acts as, that verse acts as a fulcrum in which grace should be evident in our own lives. As the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ is seen in his life and in his death, how is grace seen in the lives of those who believe on him? Paul said, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. So how does someone know that you have grace? Well, this chapter, chapter 8, and the succeeding chapter, describe how churches cared for each other using the resources that they've been given. Paul had used the example of other churches, particularly from Macedonia, to encourage the Corinthians to continue giving for others. In fact, it tells us in verse 4 that the Macedonian churches pleaded with Paul to allow them to give more. Now, I am unaware of anyone going to our church treasurer pleading with them that they can give more. I'm particularly not aware of anyone going to to the church treasurer and saying, I don't have any money to give, but I want to give more. That's what the Macedonians gave, and that is the example of grace that worked in their lives. Now, before anyone thinks this is the case of an elder uh, going on about a church building, it's not. It goes much, much further than that. In fact, it goes way beyond money as well. Um, But we don't have time to think about that. This is recognizing that God's work relies on us to resource what is needed. This is recognizing that many of our brothers and sisters around the world are relying on us to help them. This is recognizing that Jesus Christ gave everything to those who had nothing. Twice in the last month, we've had visits from either people who have had nothing or work on behalf of those who have nothing. Tonight, we're going to hear more about individuals going to work in situations where there's, there's nothing. So, what's your response? What's my response? Do we have that clenched fist ensconced in our pockets? Or is our hand open? Finish, let me paraphrase a tweet that I read recently. We truly know that grace is at work in our lives when we give our resources to an aspect of God's work in another part of the globe in which we have no interest. That is grace. So tonight, as we come together, as we pray, as we hear about the needs of others, as we come to this table, as we look at the bread and the cup, May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with us all. Amen.